Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. In each episode, we spend some time catching up and share something we think you're going to love. And then we go on to discuss a topic that we think is really relevant to the things that are going on right now and that a lot of people might be thinking about, but aren't necessarily having conversations about. So we want to open up that conversation. We want to hear from you. So please get in touch via all the details that are in the show notes and hit subscribe if you enjoy this episode. I have a question for you. Um, hmm. I want to know how you are, but I also want to know if you are aware of what this year's word of the year is, according to the Oxford Dictionary. Oh, so I don't know what I saw, which ones were on the shortlist. I haven't actually seen which one has been announced. Which one did they pick? Okay. When I give you this word, I, saw- I want you to try and tell me what you think it means. Riz. Riz? R-I-Z-Z, like... Rizzo, but without the O, like Rizla without the La. Riz. Riz. Oh my God. I have no idea. Riz. I'm just thinking, like, I don't know what comes to mind. I'm like, is it Razzle Dazzles? Right. Okay. I literally could not have got there. And then I was falling asleep last night about 10 30, and I text my friend being like, oh my God, Riz is short for charisma. So it means like someone who's quite charming, quite charismatic, quite like, they just have that kind of like spark to them. I had never heard this word before, right? And apparently Tom Holland used it and that's where it shot to fame. I don't think I've ever had it where the Oxford word of the year is a word I've legitimately never heard of. Like I've thought sometimes, okay, that's a bit of a rogue one to pick, but I literally have not ever heard of it. I meant to text you because on the short list was parasocial and I was like, oh, look at us talking about parasocial relationships. You know, we're uh, on the trend. Um, Go. If I'm honest, though, Riz, it sounds a little bit ironic because I'd argue it sounds tacky and cheap, which is not very charismatic. Yes, I'd I think it sounds like... a bit like, oh, they're a bit rizzy. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like an insult. That is bizarre. No, I don't like that. I feel like there were other ones that they could have picked. Although then again, someone suggested that Swifty would would be the word. And I was like, no, No. that's too far. That's too far. But also to me, that's like not really a word of the year. Like that, I I feel like word of the year has to be something that's been used a lot and defined like a cultural moment. And I don't feel like that's right to say for Swifty. I mean, Taylor Swift has been a cultural moment. I feel that like is it's true. only for a very specific. Like, if I said Swifty to my grandma, she'd be like, is that a bird? Okay. <laughs> I feel like you need to be a specific generation to know what that is. But then again, the same with Riz. I mean, we're not. Apparently, I'm not the generation that knows what that is. But that's what I was going to say. We're not we're not part of the generation that knows what Riz means, so. I think it's cooler than us. I was going to, um, I was going to text you yesterday and ask you, and then I thought, no, I'm going to save it for the podcast because honestly, baffled. I've asked a lot of people, no one knows what it means. Sorry, I'm distracted. I can, you can hear Lulu meowing. Oh, I'm sorry. I swear to God, my cat is happy and lives a very happy life, but she just is the chattiest little cat in the world. And Alex is home today 
And so they're playing and she's just got a lot of opinions. <laughs> I love that. You should do. She just, she loves a little chat. And then I just meow back at her and then she goes, wah, wah. so we have like weird conversations. And you're officially a cat mom. Oh my God. I'm not just a cat mom. I'm a cat, like obsessive. She's my entire personality. I adore her. She's the sweetest little thing in the world. We're taking her away <laughs> for the weekend. So we're going down to see Alex's parents um, and we're going to take her with us. And there is a part of me that's extremely anxious about it. And there's the other part of me that's like, I think she's just going to absolutely love it because she's going to be totally spoiled. I would really like you to vlog the whole experience for me just so I can see like okay. what the journey's like. Does she go in a carrier or will she sit like on the center console next to you in the car? Um, no, what's her got... what's her situation going to be at the house like how will adjust I'm very I excited. will totally do this for you because it'd be a quite a cute little memory for me and Alex stuff but she has a carrier that is airline safe not that mm. I ever think she'll get on a plane but the reason I got her an airline carrier is because we were talking about it and we we're like actually that's perfect because it means that we know that there's enough room and in, like space for her mm. yeah that's true she loves it she goes and hops in it. She sits in it. So I'm quite excited. Thank you. Can't wait. I will update you on how her little holiday goes. Um, I mean, the windows will be firmly shut, as will the doors. But either that or she's going to cry all of Friday night. I'm like, I don't know where I am. Why have you brought me here? So we'll see. What is your recommendation for this week, my dear? My recommendation? Finally read another book and I read it so quickly and it's called The Undiscovered Deaths of Grace McGill by C.S. Robertson Ooh. and as you can it, it is like a crime I guess it's a crime thriller but it's definitely not your usual type the protagonist Grace is she's very unusual and she has the if you enjoyed like Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine or The Maid um did you read the maid i was just thinking have i read the maid i'm not sure i've read the maid i've definitely read eleanor oliphant it's that very like the the protagonist is very socially awkward um like kind of lacks some social skills is quite it doesn't always come across in the way that she means to doesn't understand other human beings very well and this protagonist is exactly the same and a big part of that is her job is that she's a, like a forensic cleaner so she cleans up not crime scenes but um this is why it's called undiscovered death people who really like sadly pass away and are not found for a long time Aww. um she cleans up the houses afterwards because obviously it's a, a biohazard and so she leads this quite odd obviously and very solitary life and um she's one day she sees like some similarities she sees a link in these are people who have died mostly like elderly people of natural causes who have like obviously just lived on their own and it's really really sad and she like speaks about that a lot and then one day she sees a link between a couple of like seemingly unrelated deaths that she cleans up and she tries she goes to the police about it and she tries to convince them but obviously they just think that she's like weird and does this weird job and she's being paranoid and they just like brush her off so she takes it upon herself to dig deeper and find out what the answer is to to these things that she's noticed um 
I would just say it's a really, I don't want to ruin it. The twist is really good. I loved it. Definitely a bit of like a slow burn story, but I think it really sets her character well. Um, but yeah, I'd just say it's a very like, original thriller, not the usual one you would expect. So yeah, I recommend if, if you like The Maid or those kind of books, then yeah, definitely give it a read. That sounds really interesting. I have really got out of the habit of reading recently. Um, mm. I don't really know why. It's just in the past. Actually, do you know what? It's pretty much since we moved. I've not really got into like a good rhythm of re- reading. But between Christmas mm. and the year, I'm going to be off. And I just want to sit back and read. Um, and just like immerse myself. I haven't even read the latest Richard Osmond book. Like that's how behind I am. So that is going to be on my list for I mean I seem you know that bit in the holiday where Cameron Diaz is on the plane and she has like eight books next to her so I'm gonna read them all that's basically what I'm saying um she's going away for two weeks so she's gonna read what like a book every two days (laughs) I mean that's the kind of ambitious thing I would say and not do so I'm gonna say I'm gonna read like four or five books over Christmas and probably maybe only read one if that but the ambition is there um, but that sounds really interesting. I like the concept that it's just a very different type of job and lifestyle to ones that we ever hear about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me know if you do read it. What is your recommendation? Okay, this is a bit rogue. Maybe it's not rogue, actually. Oh. That's probably not right. But it's a documentary on Netflix called Get Gotti. And oh. it follows the... Um, rise and demise Ooh, rhymed rise and demise of John Gotti who was one of the most notorious like New York gangsters um, and he really kind of popularized um, the mob and unlike so many before him he was like in the media he was invited like he was part of New York society and he almost made that whole culture of the mob and like organized crime feel quite glamorous and he throughout his life he was on four trials to be put away for various awful things he had done like he was a nasty nasty criminal um and it basically follows that and like how he gets off for so many of these trials and the hold he had on society but also the way that so many people preferred him to politicians and to the police and re-rated him as a human being even though he was absolutely despicable it's absolutely fascinating I want to say it's like two or three parts it's on Netflix and it's a really interesting look at like organized crime in New York particularly at that time like I feel like where we've grown up New York has like New York City has very much had that kind of um more glamorous kind of cleaned up history Mm. kind of in the 80s and 90s that really really wasn't the story and so it's quite interesting to see how the like organized crime underworld operated and how then we've got to where we are today it interviews members of the police it interviews like the um da's office it interviews the fbi interviews like the organized crime organized crime task force I want to say um and it speaks to loads of people from the mob like actual gangsters about their um thoughts on like how it happened what their opinions were like their experiences like they were linked with John Gotti it's really interesting 
not an easy watch, not a light watch. Very obvious trigger warning for murder, brutality, talks of sexual assault, um, violent assault. Like if there is a nasty crime, just assume it's going to be mentioned. But it's fascinating. We actually started to watch it. Um, I can't remember if it was while we were in Florida or right before we left. And we we put it on as just like a, I think maybe we were packing. And then we were so intrigued by it. Well, we were so intrigued that we were like, okay, we're not actually, we need to pack properly. And we stopped and we've not gone back to it. But Taylor really wanted to. That was why we stopped it because we wanted to sit and actually watch it fully because I hadn't even heard of him Taylor was like oh we should watch this this will be really interesting and then Taylor explained who he was so now you've recommended it it's reminded me we actually need to go back and and watch that I'm glad that it's like worth a watch yeah because I hadn't heard of him and Alex Alex said exactly like oh we should watch that you will really enjoy it because I find like the the mob in New York really interesting like I the way that it Mm. has almost got that moment in like societal culture and there is that weird glamour associated with it almost which feels really like perverse to say but I think you know what I mean I find that really interesting he's like oh let's watch it and I kind of was like okay this might this could be like semi-interesting it was fascinating I love the whole like how it crosses over with like politics and like society at that time it's not just a clean cut like, oh, these are criminal people. They intersect with so many different areas, which is yeah. just so wild. And similarly to like the whole Al Capone getting done on taxes, they start going after mm. him. For, like those, they, they can't charge him on the murders. So it's like, what else has he done that's really bad? It's really interesting. Yeah. We watched a documentary about JFK straight before, and I thought that was going to be my recommendation. I was so excited. I thought it was going to be fascinating. It was shit. And it just reminded me that Netflix do documentaries so well. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. And, like, until you watch a rubbish documentary, you forget how good a Netflix documentary is. Um, <laughs> it's so by great. It's by the same people who did the, oh, my God, what was it? bad vegan oh yeah oh that was a great one yeah and that was brilliant so if you enjoyed that it's that similar kind of storytelling element um but yeah 10 out of 10 recommend not a nice easy cozy christmas watch but very interesting who needs that right now anyway you know uh, (laughs) keep it I'm, i'm in denial that it's even december so i'll just keep it gritty with some uh mob documentary viewing is it festive in japan I'm honestly surprised by how festive it is. I really thought being here, I'd just forget that it's December, but it's definitely more of like Christmas is a commercial thing here. It's not like a, I mean, not that it's not commercial in the UK, but obviously it's, it happens in the UK because of the religious, like yeah. historically the religious element, whereas obviously they're not Christian in Japan. Um, so it's definitely just more of a, yeah, commercial thing, but there's been more decorations than I, they're not street decorations that you'd see in London or anything, but but there's big Christmas trees in like town square type places and in hotels and, and stuff like that. So and we are going to Hokkaido next week where there is going to be snow. So and they here's a fun fact. Sapporo, which is the capital city of Hokkaido, is paired with Munich and they have a German Christmas market in Sapporo. So I'm really excited I actually get to have a Christmas market. Oh my god, and you get glue glue. 
I want to say mulled wine, but I can't say what the German word for it is that you always call it. Glühwein. Glühwein, that's it. I mean, oh, I'm intrigued to see what the Japanese version of that is like. Maybe they spike it with sake. Or... That's what I was going to say. I wonder if it'll be like a sake kind of situation. Yeah, plum wine here. It's quite common. Like that. that sounds really nice. Because yeah. I'm not a fan of sake. Are you not? No, I really don't like it. I do think I've only ever had crap sake, though, because I, I was going to say, I feel like you've had shit sake. Because I've only had one sake that's been cold, and apparently you only have hot sake if it's crap sake. So I think I just have had, like, a run of bad sake, but, yeah. I'll have to get you a good one. We went on a sake brewery tour, in. we went back to Fuji, which is where we met, and we did a sake tour and they taught us all about like which ones are hot which ones are cold flavor profiles it was only 1500 yen which is like even is that eight pounds each and they give you a free glass and you get five tasters like good measures and they make whiskey as well so you get japanese whiskey very good value for money we'll have to get a good bottle of sake do that one yeah love that amazing shall we talk about this week's topic because i feel like this is a really underrated part of getting older mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree and it's something I hadn't actually thought about until you were talking about it and having colleagues who are really good friends of yours or people that you're really good friends with now who are different ages or who have really different experiences and I think it's yeah, yeah there's there's such a lovely I just feel like that's a such such a lovely experience and perspective to have to have more diverse friendships especially as you're growing older yeah so I the reason it kind of came to me was that I have a few friends now who I've met I've met them through like weird things like one of them like did my nails was like my nail woman um and like friends of friends and people like that who were just like I say like a decade older than me and so they're in a completely different point in their life and they have a different yeah. perspective on things, but they're not so far removed that it's like a parent giving advice. Like they still have that kind of like, we're still the same generation. There's still those same like pop culture and like seminal moments that we understand and relate to, but it's like a different perspective. And at the same time, I've realized I now have quite a few friends who are like five, six, seven years younger than me, who whilst like their outlook might be different. We're in more similar places in our lives because I also don't have children. I don't own my home. Um, I'm kind of not in a place where I relate to a lot of the other people who are in their like early thirties in my life because they are getting married, having babies, buying houses. And that's not where I am right now. And so it's really interesting Uh to like have different groups of friends who, or not even groups of friends, but like different individuals in your life who you're friends with who have completely different perspectives because they're just at different points in their life and I feel like it's a really nice thing as you get a bit older that you can do that yeah because I do feel like we forget that we're kind of spoon-fed some ships at school like everyone everyone around you is is the same age you've probably had maybe sort of similar upbringings or at university you're maybe with people on the same course or who have a very like similar career path or whatever it might be I think you end up kind of with a lot of parallels in those friendships that you have earlier on in life and then the further into adulthood you get you have more of this intersection of relationships 
with people at work or hobbies or if you move to a new area or I don't know your partner's friends or whoever however it might be that you meet new people and when you first spoke about it I was like god I don't really have that because I don't have colleagues in the traditional sense although I do I'm still actually in touch with a lot of colleagues and I would consider them friends as well but then thought of a really interesting angle that I have from like the digital nomad perspective because I'd say like traveling before obviously I've still got that girl that I met when I was traveling when I was 18 and we silently follow each other's lives on Facebook I wouldn't say we're friends it's just interesting (laughs) but I'd say now when I connect with people traveling because a lot of them are digital nomads there's no longer when you're backpacking, yes, it's usually people that are younger, but digital nomads are in their 30s, 40s, 50s. I've even met some in their 60s. And you no longer have like age as the common factor. It's yeah. your, how you're choosing to live your life. You've all, you, we've met at this kind of intersection where you've all come at it from such different circumstances and different trajectories. And it is so fascinating to have their insight as someone who's, maybe living this way but they're in their 50s and they've left a stable career or they've decided that they don't want to stay in their home whatever reason it might be having I think it's just fascinating and so helpful to have those more diverse friendships even just from the age perspective oh yeah and I think as well it's really I found it really comforting and reassuring to see people who Mm. are living their lives either completely differently to how I am or there are similarities and like, oh, you've got through that thing I'm struggling with now. Like you've gone through that uncertainty or that like, you're not quite sure what your next step is or whatever it is. It's just reassuring to see it work out, but also to see people maybe like have children, but do it in a way that they can still enjoy things that I enjoy today. And I'm like, oh, you can find like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I I can actually manage that exactly exactly that like that like okay it might not always be easy but there is that kind of um reassurance that it's doable and you don't have to follow this carbon copy idea that we have because I do think finding friends when you're a bit older is really really hard like was I talking to you about this was I talking to someone else about how like the next natural point at which you are likely to make an influx of friends is like mum friends if you have a baby and you go to a baby group and mm. I'm sure that's lovely, but to me, that's not a compelling enough reason to have a kid. <laughs> and even <laughs> then, I feel like that must be quite difficult in itself because you need to have like similar values, similar parenting styles. Like if you're quite children and you meet someone who's really uptight or vice versa, you're not going to form a friendship there. And what if your kids hate each other? Like, it's not straightforward, but I think having people at different points in their lives doing different things is just quite, I don't know, it's just quite reassuring. And it's nice that it isn't family. Like, again, it's not those forced, oh, we've got to, we've got to be friendly because we're related or you've married my brother or whatever. It's through choice and it's a bit more organic than that. I think that's a really interesting point as well. Like, making friends just because you have a child it's you do think if you make friends with say you have had a child and you make friends with other mums I don't think it's just because you have a child and I think that goes with any other friendships in who with people who are maybe older or younger at a different place in life that also has to be a certain overlap of 
I guess your values or your priorities and that's a really big part of it and then that's when you realize that like age age is not the same as like age doesn't equate to the life stage that you're at and I think you could have a really great friendship with someone who has a very similar parenting outlook but they might already have teenagers and you might have just had a baby like there's no there doesn't need to be that like common denominator that you're going through the exact same thing at the same time it could just be you're like oh I really resonate with this person and like how they think and how they feel about things I think as well there's a really nice point where you and maybe this is just because of our age so it's been harder to do up until now where you can start to have friends who are younger than you and Mm -hmm. I joke with those friends like oh you keep me young like you let me know what Gen Z's doing but to an extent it's true and there's something quite nice about knowing like the perspectives of I mean I'm talking as though these people like 15 years younger than me they're not but (laughs) they're just having people at that slightly different life stage where it is a bit more I don't I don't think carefree is the right way to put it because that feels really um disingenuous because I know we didn't feel like that in our early 20s at all but I guess just further away from those um, traditional milestones that you often like feel like you should be keeping up with when you like get into your late twenties, early thirties, and just yeah. again different perspectives, different kind of takes on things, different even things like different music, different like algorithms that they're on with Instagram and TikTok and stuff, and it's interesting, and it's yeah it's fun to kind of chat to people and I do think Gen Z like older Gen Zs are far better at embracing like the fun whimsical girlhood element of life um mm-hmm. and maybe that's also just because girlhood has had a real moment this year with Barbie and Taylor Swift and all the rest of it but mm-hmm. I think they're better at that and having fun I don't think we did that as much and so yeah. having people around me who do that, I think is really good for me. I do also feel like that really speaks to just the generation that we grew up in, like the the kind of popularization of the internet and stuff like that, like being more carefree with it, whereas we were navigating, I mean, every generation navigates a lot. But just from that perspective of being less carefree, I do think if you have younger friends that does hold a mirror up to how narrow your experiences are or like how narrow I guess that idea that you should be following a specific trajectory when you think about how you felt when you were younger and then you realize there are people who are younger than you even five years younger and they don't feel how you felt at that time and I I think that in itself is reassuring that yes I know I don't know how to put that into words because on the one hand it's reassuring when someone feels the same as you but also I think it's reassuring to see that someone can have such a different perspective because they're younger and you can appreciate and understand that I feel like I'm not explaining that right no I kind of know what you mean because it's like seeing people I guess I don't know I'm now struggling to put it into words but I do know what you mean and I think as well it's that thing of like historic or not historically that's definitely the wrong word but like previously I would have thought I wouldn't have anything in common with younger people and I mean I'm talking as though I'm 
I'm like in my 80s. That's not obviously what I mean. And I'm really careful to not sound really patronizing when I say this, because that's not what I mean. I almost think like it's a case of previously, I wouldn't have entertained the idea of being friends with younger people because I'm like, there'd be nothing in common. And there was almost that like superiority complex, which I don't think is consciously what it was, but there was that assumption that we couldn't have anything in common. Whereas actually some of my closest friends are younger than me and they have a far better outlook on things than I do <laughs> and it is that it's yeah. that classic thing of okay actually it's not age it's experience it's not age it's um having grown up in a slightly different time and a slightly different narrative because like you said like we I feel like we were the peak girl boss CEO side hustle people of like you couldn't you couldn't just like hop onto TikTok and create a piece of content that didn't take yourself too seriously and you were just having fun with your friends because actually it needed to be curated to be part of a wider strategy to make an income. And if it didn't, you were failing, which is such an unhealthy way to look at it. Like if it wasn't going to make you money, it wasn't valid in your life, which now I think is why so many people are don't have hobbies because... Like, what's the point if it's not making us money? Whereas actually, I think being around people who just like, it's fun. Like, I'm going to go make beaded bracelets because it's fun. It's not going to become a career. It's fun. I'm going to go paint some candles because it's fun. And I feel like that's a whole conversation in itself. But I do feel like we grew up in like peak toxicity of <laughs> the popularization of like, online stuff because that's just now it's going back down the other side of the hill sort of thing where it is just something to be enjoyed and not taken too seriously I really want to have a conversation maybe one for the new year about like the decline of girl boss quote unquote and like what it's left in its wake like I know we've spoken about like is girl boss dead before but like Mm. what has it left in its wake what's the vacuum that's been created because I do think there is one and I do think there are new trends that are emerging um mm-hmm. oh yeah but and a separate conversation but I I, what I like I think having people who are just a little bit more distanced from that it's really positive because it makes you realize you're allowed yeah. to just like there is value to be had from just enjoying something yeah and I think this is to go back to like having more diverse friendships I think that's the whole point of having a different perspective is you've got slightly more objective view on maybe what you're experiencing, like objective advice. You're not yeah. as much as you, you love your closest friends. They've also been through a lot with you. And yes, all of their advice is objective to a certain point. But then if you speak to someone who's five years younger or 10 years older, their objectivity is potentially going to have like some really helpful and different perspectives for you just purely because they're at a different stage and also that they haven't been on the journey with you like if something happens in my life that is like a carry on from something else that's happened previously and I talked to you about it you were there when the original incident happened and mm. so that's great in terms of context and understanding it and understanding like the journey but having people who weren't there who are kind of coming in now is such a fresh perspective to have because they're not, they they do have that level of objectivity that like you can't have because you were there and vice versa. 
And I think mm-hmm. that's quite exciting to think you can have those different opinions. And whilst it is so hard to make friends when you're older, like, oh my God, it is a, the bane of my life, I would say. Like, I have amazing friends. I don't necessarily want loads and loads of like close friends, but it would be nice to be friendly with more people. Um, people you can just mm-hmm. pop for a coffee with, you know? But anyway, different discussion for a different day. I do think when you're open to the idea that your friends could come in any form, and by that I mean like any age any race any gender it's far easier for you to attract people into your life because you're not thinking oh we could never be friends because you're like a 50 year old man whereas actually there are probably things you do have in common with them whether it's like tv or like maybe you've got a garden for the first time and so you need people in your life who know how to garden me yeah perfect example of that (laughs) and so but then like you can create you can create they don't have like deep meaningful friendships where you talk every day but it's like being friendly with people who have different experiences because then you're like oh actually that person will know the answer to that or that person would be great for that and I like to think as well I can do the same for other people Mm -hmm. and I think it does that does go back to the the reassurance aspect as well I think it it should feel like something that's exciting and fun and a possibility to have friendships with people who are from different ages or different experiences or whatever and I think it's it's reassuring to maybe be friends with Betty who's 80 years old and knows how to look after a garden like to see what they've gone through in their life but you still have this common area of overlap so like yeah. that's a really you know may, maybe I'm really like idealizing this and looking at it through rose tinted lenses but I do think it's to see that people have gone through tough times or made changes in their life and come out the other side of it or whatever it might be, I think in a way it's comforting that regardless of the two like separate trajectories you've had so far, you have this common area of overlap that you can share, even if it's just you and this other person and no one else in that group. Yeah, I think with a lot of people, especially when you meet people who are older, it's a bit like how you forget your parents had a life before you were born. And it's very easy to think like, oh, nothing's happened in this person's life until they've met me. Again, not in like an arrogant way, just in like we're only ever aware of the part we're around for. And so hearing that people uh-huh. have survived things or like had experiences, it's very comforting. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good reminder as well that friendships can look different like some might be texting every day some might be you meet once a month for coffee sometimes it might be you only speak on like on the phone once every couple of months because you live in different like whatever it might be they're also all very valid friendships they don't have to mean talking to someone every single day and that qualifies you as friends I think that's a really good point as well yeah Oh, I just I just love talking about friendship. I find it fascinating. If you found this episode interesting, it's been helpful, please hit subscribe because um, we would love to have you back next week for another episode. We've only got a couple more before the end of the year. We will be taking a break over Christmas and New Year, as we always do, and resetting for January. So if there's anything you want us to discuss or anything you've like read or heard of recently that you think is really interesting, please let us know because we are always open to um, new new ideas new topics to discuss but in the meantime we hope you have a brilliant week and we'll be back next wednesday bye bye